Before we get into this episode, Mike and I want to thank you for being part of this community. We absolutely love what we do with this podcast, and we think it's important to bring you valuable content by exploring unconventional lifestyles, experiences, and perspectives. We are continually looking to improve the listening experience, and we want to bring in some of your favorite guests. We have a favor to ask, and that is if you can follow wherever you watch or listen so we can continue improving the show. We are so grateful for your support. Now let's get into it. What's up, locals? It's Mike and Kenzie coming to you live from the 775. As always, we're going to start with failing forward, but after that, we have a couple different things to get into. One of those is uncovering the unconventional, how we define it and what that looks like. And then finally, what it looks like taking risks in your 20s. Risks. It's a weird word. (laughs) It is a weird word. Um, We were talking a little bit about failing forward, and you wanted to take it back in time a little bit. Not so much last week. Tell me why. I thought about college. Because I originally started as a journalism major at University of Nevada, Reno. And I had finished most of the requirements for a minor of journalism. And I was starting to get into uh, like basically the last half of it where I would be finishing the major for journalism. And I took an ethics course for journalism and finished the ethics course over a summer class and found out that I had to take additional math classes. For journalism? For journalism. For like statistics or what? Yes, it was statistics. Um, How to manipulate statistics. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, it, it was it was like three math courses that I had to take. Mm-hmm. That was not my forte. I had always been bad at math, like literally always been bad at math since like middle school never, never felt confident in it. And I literally thought I want to graduate early. Mm -hmm. Um, and that will put me behind if I do that. And so instead of, instead of, you know, moving past that, maybe like going to get a tutor and taking the steps that I needed to pass those classes, I decided to switch my major to communication studies Mm -hmm. Because I didn't have to take any more math classes for that. And it was just going to be a lot easier to finish college earlier. And you did successfully. And I did. I finished, I mean, I didn't finish like a year earlier. I finished a semester early. But that to me, you know, it's like I accomplished that. But I had no plan in mind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have any, I didn't have any plan after college. But I ended up blaming me you know, moving over to communications and and not doing journalism anymore based on that ethics class, because I didn't quite understand the ethics of journalism. The class was very confusing. It was a shorter summer class. So I feel like I just didn't give it a fair shot. I wasn't really, I don't think I really paid attention as much in that class, but it's summer. It's a condensed course. Yeah. And it's about the ethics of journalism. I right. can understand why you probably didn't give it the most like, wow, this is something I know. I Right. Love. It wasn't anything like creative. Right. It was, it was just like, we were just watching a bunch of movies and documentaries and it just wasn't, um, it just wasn't my thing. I was just very confused by it towards the end of it. That professor was collecting a check. 
If you're yeah. paying for a fucking summer course, everything's condensed. It better be good. Yeah. And they're like, let's watch some movies and documentaries. Let's use other people's yeah. work so that you can learn. The I have to say the the biggest takeaway that I had from that class is I sat in the same spot in that class where I was facing the window. And then I had a classmate that was sitting by the window facing the wall that I was sitting next to. And at the very end of the course, she said that my class experience, because I was facing the window, I got to see the mountains, I had sunlight on my face, was going to be, was probably different from the experience that that classmate had from looking at the wall. Yeah. Where it's like bleak and bland and you know, you're probably looking at me who's like sleeping <laughs> halfway during the class, like zoning out, zoning out. And so I I thought that was the biggest takeaway from the ethics class, because what she was trying to convey is that everybody's perspective is different and has some truth to it mm-hmm. based on their environment and like where they're looking from like, you know, which side that they're looking at. And so I think for me, I just, I don't know, it was a really good takeaway, but I just didn't, I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't like love journalism after that. I loved journalism when I was in like the audio engineering class, but I freaking blamed me switching my major, like literally switching the trajectory of my learning in college because I was too afraid to take those math classes. Hmm. And the reason why I feel like this is a failure is because I'm now really interested in leaning into this creative side with the podcast where I'm like, man, like I learned how to do all of this in my journalism class classes. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, what what else could I have learned that maybe would have benefited me with this show? What could I have learned that maybe I would have started something like this earlier? Because all of the people, sorry, to, sorry, I just yeah, want to no, finish this thought, going. but like all of the people that I did go to journalism, like I was in that major with, I see them on LinkedIn now, like they're their own entrepreneurs in, you know, video and like some of them are doing podcast producing and um, I don't know, they're just like really leaning into that creative side. And I just wonder, like, was that a a mistake that kind of changed the trajectory a little bit of my life? Like, you know, when you're on the path Mm -hmm. and and there's many like you have you have. Yeah. you And you step off the path, but you have your path and like you come back to it. I feel like I'm coming back to my path right now. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's how it feels in my journey. And I feel like that moment I stepped off the path because I was too scared. And so I look at that as a really big failure because it's not that I didn't like journalism anymore. It's that the classes that I was going to take were going to be hard and I didn't want to try. Mm. So is it, is it hard or do you just not like it? Right. Question. Yeah. Interesting. So I don't think that you necessarily took the wrong direction. I feel like if you would have gone 100% with journalism, graduated with journalism degree and went into that field, Mm -hmm. you interned at a radio station, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You could have gone into the news as either an anchor intern, somebody in production, producer, production. Um, all of those vectors might put you either more in front of the camera or more behind it. And with that, what comes to mind is if you're on the production side, you'd get really sharp in those kind of skills, which you seem to have already done without Mm -hmm. a degree. You got some exposure in college, 
but this has all been like a passion project for you. This is something you're genuinely interested in. Right. And you learned through basically free online courses with YouTube and even just buying some of these different like promotional materials of how to use different software, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know if a college degree was worth that. If you went on the camera-facing side for news, that could be great for comfort in front of the camera, but it could also completely destroy the idea of like having your private life televised because news anchors, they're very polished. You don't hear about them. They don't do podcasts on the side, mm -hmm. right? Their job is to report the nightly news. Your grandma tunes into them. They have to be believable. They mm -hmm. really can't be human. They all speak in that weird news speak style where it's like, tonight at 11, back to you, mm -hmm. John. And we learned that. It's really funny. I was looking back through my hard drive mm -hmm. and um, I literally found like a mini documentary that I made about the university and I was talking in that voice and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so, <laughs> they train you. Like yeah. it's, it, it, it is really interesting. So um, I think you would have been probably more averse to something like podcasting yeah. where it's less polished and less professional and you say, fuck. Like, oh, mm -hmm. imagine your newscaster when you tune in at like 7 p.m., but you also listen to him at 2 o'clock on his own show, and he's like, man, this fucking job. Ugh. Yeah. He'd lose most of his credibility, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous when you think about it. That's kind of why people like different politicians that speak more like people. Right. It's it's turning into that. I think that's why people like podcasts mm -hmm. more. But that news speak is just such a weird who who signed off on that was like this sounds professional <laughs> this sounds credible i believe a man who goes the weather is bad <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know where that came from i'd be actually interested to see um the origins like, of yeah the origins ridiculous. of like of of that tone and inflection but yeah i don't know i just had been kind of journaling about it recently and yeah i came up with that like question for myself of like is it hard or do I not like it anymore? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a question that I'm going to continue asking myself, like with anything that I do, like I absolutely love CrossFit and there are literally workouts where I feel like I'm going to pass out mm -hmm. and it's fucking hard, but I love CrossFit. So it's like, I'm going to push through it because it's like, I know how I'm going to feel after. And I just, I think about that moment a lot because not to say that I was like lying to everybody, but I definitely, I, I came up with this story where I blamed it on the ethics class. And I don't think I was even being honest with myself, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't think I was, you know, really being like, Kenzie, come on. Well, that becomes your narrative. That's the perspective yeah. that you're looking at the problem with. Right. And so that's how you believe it to be. I also, when you were telling that story, I was thinking about the person who was facing the wall. Why the fuck are not, why aren't you facing forward? Why aren't you looking at the we person? We were in a U. Okay. So we were in a U. Okay. And uh, that was my confusion. I was picturing tables and somebody's just pointed yeah. backwards away from the professor being a dick. No. So okay. the the way she had set it up, I mean, I'm pretty sure she set it up on like that way on purpose mm -hmm. because. Um, it's Socratic. It's where you get to speak like a seminar. Because she would like, yeah, it was almost like she's walking in a circle, like everyone could see each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Yeah, it was just interesting. Like, that's the very th last thing that she said. And she called me out. Like, I remember her being like, Kenzie is going to have a different experience than Jack or whoever it was that she was, um, you know, pointing out in that experience. But I just, I thought that that, like, that definitely opened my mind up. I'm like, you know, everyone's going to have their own perspective and their own truth on the things. 
But I still think that there is, like, I think that's where I got confused because I'm like, well, there is still, like, one truth, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I do believe that. I still think that there is, like, a reality. A reality. Objective of, like, reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, an objective reality that's happening. But again, I would not. I didn't go through any more classes where I could have maybe asked that professor more questions. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, I bailed. I was just like, all right, peace. Like never <laughs> going to see you guys ever again. And then, you know, but I, I learned a lot from communication classes too. Like I definitely, you know, I, I stepped out of my comfort zone with a lot of those classes, but I think overall that is one thing in my life. Like a, maybe a regret that I have where I'm like, I think that did change the trajectory a little bit for me because again, I had no plan mm-hmm. coming out of college, which is another thing that we can get into another episode. Yeah, <laughs> but, we can talk about that. But, That's failing forward for both. Yeah, of I but I think that you know that is that's just something that I have always wondered. So I guess the takeaway for that is: is it hard or do you just not like it? Mm-hmm. And I will end with that. I like that. Now it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing open mics now for a couple weeks. I did my third one on Tuesday. And I bombed. It was horrific. It got a couple chuckles. I thought they were great jokes. And my delivery was trash. I did not take the actual time to prepare. And unfortunately, when you don't prepare and you don't memorize and you keep looking at your notes and you're like, so what else is new? What else is going on? Right, right. Uh, You lose the audience. And when you are reading it off of a piece of paper instead of actually like conversating with the audience, it's a presentation and Mm -hmm. it's not funny. So bombing was rough. I was upset and I stayed behind and like talked with a couple of the comics like, how do you guys even go through not bombing? I, I expected to bomb. It was my third time. Yeah. But how do you go through developing new material and then how do you hone new material? Because I am, every week I've been you know, putting together a new five minutes. And the first one went okay. I memorized a lot of it, so it went better. The second one, I think, were better jokes, but it wasn't as tight of a set. Mm -hmm. And this third one was all over the place. You know, I was reading my punchlines into the joke, so there was no punchline. It was like (laughs) saying something where you're supposed to get a laugh, and you're like, oh, fuck, I was supposed to pause on that one. Oops. (laughs) So, And when I bomb, I make this gross face where I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> I know I I hate that face that you make but it's, it's one of those so where it's like ooh that cringy. didn't work because I am cringing like <laughs> physically inside yeah. but what I took away from that was something that I already knew and that's to come to the table prepared yes you know take it serious be a professional and I've been writing a lot at night I've been focusing on that it's been something that I've enjoyed I've been trying out jokes on you and a lot of them land flat it's kind of rough <sighs> you're my audience of yeah. one it's all about yeah. reps. You know, it's yeah. kind of like jujitsu. It's time on the mat. You know, you get manhandled for six months and it's horrific and a lot of people quit at that point. Mm-hmm. Comedy is very similar, I imagine. It's stage time. It's right. finding your voice. It's finding how to speak to people. Because when I talk with you like this, yeah, I can make you laugh and chuckle. Yeah. But when I'm standing in front of you trying to like orate a joke, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. You don't talk to me like this. This is weird. It's unnatural. Yeah. So... Until I can get more comfortable in my own skin, just more natural in front of an audience, working on it, um, it would be better if I just keep going up and honing my material. Yeah. Yeah. So I failed forward, but I learned, come prepared, be a professional about it, practice, and then just try and conversate. Be comfortable in your own skin. Yes. I think we're all trying to work on that. 
All right. Well, that is our failing forward segment. So let's get into the topics. How would you define conventional versus unconventional? Conventional to me is doing what we think we're supposed to do based on others' opinions. Mm. And unconventional is doing what we want to do, being true to ourselves and leaning into who we are. That is far more poetic than what I had. (laughs) (laughs) What did you have? What was your... I think of conventional lifestyles as a pre-scripted path that is considered the norm. Okay. You go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate, you get a nine to five, you find a nice lady, you settle down, you get a nine to five, you guys get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you consume, you die, and they repeat the process. That is a conventional lifestyle. I love how you're like, you get a nine to five, you find a lady, you get another nine to five. (laughs) (laughs) You just keep consuming. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think of that as like the conventional, you know, what what that American dream is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Doesn't include hobbies, doesn't include things that make you fascinating or different or interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's what the unconventional is, is everything that's in the periphery. It's outside the norm. It's outside of what's expected of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, I mean, I think it both, we both have it very similarly of like what we think it is. I think related to the podcast, like I, I think why we have kind of like defined it a little bit more of like what we're, what we're utilizing this podcast for, like what we're interested in is uncovering that unconventional in others. Yeah. Because I, there. Yeah. You can learn. Exactly. Like I think that other people are our biggest teachers, whether it's their failings or whether it's their successes or, um, you know, maybe it's exposure to a hobby that you didn't even know existed that now you fall in love with. Like I think being exposed to all those different types of lifestyles, experiences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like being exposed to all those different lifestyles, experiences, mindsets, perspectives, I think can help shape your own. Cause I think for me, My whole life, I have felt like I can't hear my own voice. And I have, you know, I've shared it with, you know, my family members, with you. Like, I feel like I've definitely compared myself to what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And because it doesn't resonate with me and, like, that's not who I am, I have felt really lost. And so I have a lot of really strong influences on my life, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But I think when you have a lot of strong influences – that are all doing different things. And kicking ass at it too. Yeah, and kicking ass at it. I think you start to get confused because for me, I I look at that and I'm like, okay, they're really convicted in the way that they live life and, and believe. So they must be right, right? But if I don't totally like believe the same thing as them, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And so I get into that cycle within myself of like feeling like they're, Like I'm not good enough or I'm not doing the right thing and I'm not on the right path. And I just like don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's right. It's not the case. Right. It's this narrative that's not accurate. You know, game recognizes game. And if you were super convicted in something, even if it's very conventional or very unconventional, you'd still have that support. Mm -hmm. It's just about picking a path and going hard in it. Yeah. Because that's what, you know, super successful family members are doing. That's what some of our super successful friends are doing. They have 
really just picked that path and committed to it 100%. Yeah. And when you see somebody doing that, not only is it impressive, but you're also like, man, why don't I have that? Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's a little uncomfortable when you are trying different things. Like at first, CrossFit wasn't even on the table for you. Right. And then you tried it and then you fell in love with it and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm excelling in this. Yeah. Same for podcasting. Like, I don't want to step on this too much, but I do want to ask you, what makes you unconventional? What do you do that makes you unconventional? I think for me, leaning into podcasting and producing is definitely something that I feel like is unconventional for me. Mm-hmm. Um The reason being is because it's something that is creative. I feel like I'm able to lean into that entertaining side that I have of myself. And I think it all stems from when I was younger. I did musical theater growing up for about eight years and I loved it. Like I loved, I loved it. Mm -hmm. You're a performer at heart. I am. Like, and you know, I'm not wanting to be like an actress or like, you know, in lights, like Hollywood lights or whatever. I mean, these lights are fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think for me, like, I loved the whole production of it. Like, I was so present during those times of creating a musical with other colleagues. Like, I was working with people that were way older than me. I think I started in, like, first or second grade. And I was, you know, performing with people that were eighth graders and high schoolers. And, and you weren't playing the tree either. No, I wasn't playing the tree. I mean, I feel like I was, um, like I, I was, I just, I loved it. I really enjoyed doing it. And I stopped in eighth grade because my friends were not doing musical theater. Like none of my friends at school were doing musical theater. None of them really understood the, like theatrics. Like they kind of made fun of like theater kids and yeah. I really wanted friends. I really wanted to be friends with my friends. And I thought that their opinions mattered more. So eighth grade was my last musical. And I literally have not done it since. And that is something for me where I feel like I have, I I loved everything about that. I loved the production side of it. I loved, you know, the special effects, the sound effects to everything, like memorizing lines and being collaborative on stage with people and um, being funny and entertaining and, uh, you know, the costumes, like everything from the costumes to the set, like building a set with your, with your people. And I don't know, it was just so much fun. And so I think I've always missed that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm kind of getting back onto this path where it's like, okay, this really resonates with me because I'm, we're creating this. I mean, the studio is a set, right? Like we created this and like doing the audio engineering to this and putting it all together in like a story like format that is just fun to me. Like I genuinely enjoy it. Um, the actual content piece obviously is going to get better and improve. And, um, you know, something that I'm working towards is like learning how to interview people. Like that's something that I think is maybe unconventional for me because I, I am really curious about people, but sometimes I feel like I don't know the best questions to ask to keep the conversation going. So I'm going to be leaning into that. But yeah, I think that, what's unconventional for me is just leaning into my creative side. I love that. What about you? Mine's in a very similar element. Um, I am, I try so hard to be unique that I'm actually not that unique. Mm. I would say what made me unconventional during my high school era, um, the short shorts, the goofy haircuts, the art, 
I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I like to make things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not really put a whole lot of creative effort towards painting. Mm. I'm very good at it. I'm very good at drawing. I'm very good with my hands about creating things. You know, I made the little Indian over there. It looks cool. I'm good at these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't give that a whole lot of effort after high school because I didn't get the same thing out of it. Mm-hmm. And I found that I'm really good at writing. I'm really good at conveying ideas when I write them down. I'm not so good about it when I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on that. But I am a creative person. I think that makes me unconventional. And I've been thinking about why. Like, why do I want to be unconventional? Because I strive for that, right? Mm -hmm. And I get frustrated when I find myself in that conventional path. I think when you're risk averse, you damn yourself to a life of mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't take risks and you don't say the inappropriate thing in the room, you're not the person who's speaking their mind. You're not being your true self. Yeah you're going to be conventional, right? Right. And just like with your story, I think middle school is where a lot of dreams go to die. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty hardcore, but you want to fit in. Yeah, and I am such a people pleaser that I literally let that like overpower anything that I wanted. mm -hmm. I let other people's opinions and decisions about me literally make the decision for me. Yeah, and that's, I still think that you're on that path but you stepped away from it for a long time. Getting back into it is weird, right? Well, I also think it looks different too. Mm -hmm. Like I think that for the musical theater, like I don't necessarily feel the need to go be in a, in a musical. Like I, I wasn't the best singer. Like I'm not the best dancer. (laughs) I, I don't really yearn for that. I just think that, it was so fun and creative for me and entertain. Like I love to entertain and perform. Mm-hmm. How can I lean into that now as 27 year old Kenzie? Yeah. And how can I, you know, be more true to myself? What does that look like in modern day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for myself, what's waking, what's making me feel more unconventional now is comedy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about why I even want to do it. Part of it is creative writing. I also think that I have like hot takes. I think I look at the world a little bit differently and I am selfish and conceited enough that I think other people need to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm an only child. You know, both my parents worked full time when I was growing up. And so I didn't get the attention I feel like I deserved. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a little attention whore. Yeah. It's very apparent with how I carry myself, how I dominate conversations sometimes, the way I dress. And I realized, like, if I take some of my creativity and my skills and I put it towards, you know, the outcomes that I want, I love making people laugh. Mm -hmm. Like, that is such a high for me. It's very hard to top. Yeah. So when I get that, and especially when I'm inappropriate getting it, I get to be in this weird space where it's like, I'm breaking the rules and you're okay with it. Yeah. So that's why I like it. That's why I'm attracted to the unconventional. And that's why I want to continue exploring it. Yeah, I think it's important because... I think it's helping us also like find our direction, Mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of, I think for people who are, you know, like you and I, who maybe are not very extreme, maybe who don't have that passion that's very clear to them yet. I think that maybe it's a lack of exposure to what you are supposed to be doing. And I think that when, you know, we interview people and we maybe talk about our experience that exposure to a a mindset shift or perspective or experience um, or lifestyle, that can definitely maybe bring clarity and inspiration, you know, for someone to find 
that direction for themselves. Because I do think that everyone has that unconventional in them. I just think that they don't lean into it. I don't know. I think we need we need some conventional people. Like, who's going to keep the lights on? Who's going to mine the coal? Well, yeah, but I, I think, <laughs> like, I mean, you had brought up an example of, like, you know, maybe someone is living that, you know, conventional of what you explained, like going and doing the nine to five and, um, like, kind of just very routine, right? I mean, I'm I'm very routine. That's just the type of person I am. But I'm talking about routine and, like, that's all that they're doing. But maybe it's that they have this, like, weird skill set that they can just riff on the, on the guitar mm-hmm. and they're a badass at it but they just do it by themselves in their room. But that's that's really unconventional. That's not that's a really unique skill set, I feel like. So, I think it's maybe just encouraging people too to like really lean into that side because I think that's that's what makes life worth living. Yeah. Like that's what makes life fun. Yeah, being unique, being yourself. I think that I want to double back on my description of that like 9 to 5, get married, go through life, yeah. all of that because there are people out there that is their dream. And part of it is like maybe you grew up in a third world, like war-torn country. Mm-hmm. Everything's unstable. Nothing is guaranteed. All you want is a simple place to clock in. You have clean water, food, like a happy life. Yeah. And people often think of themselves as very conventional because they look at their experiences as normal. Mm-hmm. But when you really like talk to other people about it and you find out more about them, you go, oh, you're not normal at all. You want normal because your life was chaos before. Yeah. And you're just trying to balance everything. Totally. And that is, I think, one of my favorite aspects of people mm-hmm. is that you meet these interesting characters and you want to find out why they are the way they are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I do. When you kind of put it in that perspective, I feel like, you know, we're able to do a pro- podcast and like, you know, really lean into this creative side. Like that is very first world country <laughs> type of experience first world problems, yeah first baby. world That's problems great. like this is a privilege for us to be able to do this and lean into that i disagree but go on well i think there's a lot of fucking hard work that goes into this and the privilege is being born on this patch of dirt being mm-hmm. born with a supportive family structure those are privileges economically this was not handed to us yeah we have to work we have jobs we still have shit to do outside of this. No, that's not? true. I mean, I definitely think hard work is hard work. Yeah. And There's a lot behind the scenes people don't see. So I yeah. hate when that term of like, oh, you're so privileged. It's like, eh, I, I keep those cards close to me. I don't really need to put all of my shit out on the table and justify it. I do want to touch on something, though. For as much as I love to try and be unconventional, there is a huge irony and hypocrisy about myself. When I'm uncomfortable, I get a big stick up my ass. I get super proper. I stop being inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I speak differently. I act differently. My posture is upright. I am a different person. Mm-hmm. And that is, I literally lean into being super conventional. And it's almost like I don't want to ruffle feathers. Like I want to just slide under the radar. Mm-hmm. Like don't think of me as a threat. Don't think of me as a risk is more of what I'm leaning into. Yeah. Um, you know, don't worry. Everything's fine. Everything's good over here. Don't look over here. As you're crumbling at the scene. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that's, I've noticed that about myself. And it's something I'm working on is being myself all the time. There's no reason for me not to just speak my mind, you know, be confrontational, pipe up. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that there's a balance to it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be an asshole. Right. Like, I think it's. Sometimes. Uh, I was in a conversation with someone and. 
um, they had said, what is this word? Oh, discernment. Mm -hmm. Like there is that balance of knowing when to, when to speak about certain things and when to not, right? Like if you're just inappropriately making jokes all the time, that can be really annoying. And I know that like you're trying to be this little comedian, mm -hmm. <laughs> not this little comedian, sorry, but like you're trying to be a I comedian, this big comedian. <laughs> this big comedian, but I feel like there is that balance of discernment of like knowing is this going to benefit the relationship and what's your intention behind all of that too? Discernment. Yeah. I, I think any, yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is like, there's also discernment in being fully yourself. Like I think if you have no filter all the time and you're just saying shit, to, just to say shit. Like, I think that's a little bit irresponsible and like not as wise. Like I think that you should think about your words. Like I really loved interviewing Brad because Brad is like very intentional with the words that he chooses to speak. Mm -hmm. And there's not really a lot of ums. Like he'll sit there and he'll pause, he'll pause so that he can think he can like let his brain catch up and like actually say what he means. And I really want to take that into the way that I speak. Like I really admire that. Do I think that I'm myself fully around people. No, I think I sometimes get really nervous because I'm nervous that I'm going to say the wrong thing or that I don't know as much about something. And I think that that's where you can be like, I, I don't know. And you ask questions to learn more, you yeah. know? I, I think of two scenarios. One is at like a Republican dinner party and it's okay to have the stick up the ass and be that conventional person. Yeah. The other is being at an orgy. And you're the only one standing up and you say, gross. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to ruffle feathers in either one of those right. situations. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. I don't know. I think that we all show different sides of ourselves to different people. But I think it's when you can show your full self to people. Like, it, it's really special. Like, the, the friendships that I've been able to form because I'm just fully myself. And like, I know that there's no judgment there. Like they love me no matter what, like maybe they don't agree with everything that I'm doing, or I don't agree with everything that they're doing, but there's love and respect there where you guys can just fully be yourself. And I think that's where I'm trying to find that with my, you know, family members and friends. Like I'm, I'm trying to find that ground because I don't have that with everybody in my life, but I want to. And so you know, I think that the more that we're exploring unconventional people and lifestyles and mindsets, it's just, you know, it's it, selfishly, I, I want it to help me feel more like me yeah. and, and, um, inspire me to just lean in, you know, lean, lean. Okay. Well, lean, lean into me, lean into who I'm supposed to be. Okay. I feel like the outro to this episode should be lean on me <laughs> <laughs> when you're not strong. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think that we kind of beaten a dead horse with, with that a little bit. That's but... okay. Well, now that it's been hammered, <laughs> let's move on to risk. Yes. Moving into this last topic, we're going to talk a little bit about risk versus calculated risk. And I wanted to find risk just so that way we're on the same page about it. Risk is wagering something that feels like extreme loss with the potential for profit to come out of it. High-risk individuals typically have high rewards yep. and also significant losses. That's what skydiving is. That's a high-risk activity. That's what high-risk gambling is. Gambling, <laughs> starting a business is a high-risk activity more often than not. Right. It is betting on yourself and believing in your idea 
when others may not. That's a lot to put on the table Mm -hmm. and you're hoping that the reward pays you handsomely. The less risk you take, the lower the rewards are. That's Mm -hmm. what like an entry level job is, right? Right. Your reward is going to be minimum wage because there's minimum risk. It's kind of how I think about it. Calculated risk is something I'm far more comfortable with because calculated risk is looking at something that is a risk Mm -hmm. and setting specific goals and ways to attack it so that it is far less of a dangerous outcome. Yeah. And danger is the word that sticks out to mind of what risk is. When I think about it, it feels dangerous. It feels like you're risking your life. Mm -hmm. When I, before I go on stage, my heart is pounding. I feel like I'm going to die. Like, and I'm just going to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to an audience of 10, 15 people at most. It's not big. <laughs> There's little to lose other than my ego, right. my self-esteem. <laughs> but that feels like a personal death that's on the line. Yeah. And the more and more comfortable I get, the less and less risk there is. But a calculated risk in my mind is attacking it in a certain way where you've set goals and you have these little outcomes that you can measure yourself against and go, ah, mm-hmm. okay. I'm taking a risk of saying I want to be a comedian. And then if I give up on that, I'm a hypocrite as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little one. But a bigger one is I want to have 20 minutes of tight material. It's a goal that I've set in 12 months. I have a check mark at six months. Do I have 10 minutes of solid material? Have I done more than 50 open mics? I want to do it in five different cities. So I'm not just playing to the same audience, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a risk to spend your own money to go out of pocket, go to a different city, just to perform and do a show where you're not getting paid. Yeah. Just to improve. That's yeah. a risk in itself for something that might just be a hobby, but I want it to be a career. Right. So I had to, I, I kind of want to interrupt you. Sorry. We're interrupting this interruption with a very important request. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a like and hit that subscribe button so you never miss out. Now let's get back to the show. When it comes to risk versus calculated risk, I don't advocate for people taking heavy risks. I think you should have the right to, but I don't think that everybody should do that. Otherwise, that's how people become, you know, gambling addicts, alcoholics, adrenaline junkies. We all have places, or we all have a place for that in society. Mm -hmm. But I don't think society can function if everybody's just living on the edge (laughs) 24-7, which kind of feels like we are right now. It's Everything is just teetering and it's about to fall. But calculated risk is something where you can really push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you can grow and you can actually gain way more than getting comfortable in this place where you're risk averse and you're in stasis. You know, you you have your job, mm-hmm. you have your benefits. You don't really need more. There's no purpose to grow other than wanting to do better. Right. So calculated risk is really thinking personally about how do I grow myself or a skill set that I'm so interested in and what is that risk worth, mm-hmm. right? If it's such a nominal risk that, like, I embarrass myself in front of 15 people, whoop-de-fucking-do, life goes on. I embarrass myself every day. Right. Like, I don't even know it half the time. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that's such a low entry point of risk, but the highest reward to me is that I get to follow a dream and a passion and something that brings me joy, that's totally worth it. Yeah. It's not like I'm quitting my 9 to 5 tomorrow. I need medical benefits. Like, that has to work. I need an income. Yeah, I think it's just the type of person you are. I think that there's this societal pressure that we have to risk it all. And um, I just, I I think that there's not enough conversation around calculated risks Mm -hmm. and that also being okay. 
Like I think that if you do have a nine to five and your goal is to, I'm just going to use this as an example because it's just what we're doing. Like my, my goal, my goal is to eventually do this full time and be a producer. Mm -hmm. Like I would love to produce other podcasts too. So if you're interested in creating a podcast and you want some help, then let's talk. Let's have the conversation. But that's what I'm saying is like, that's my goal, but I don't have the savings right now to really fund that full time. Yeah. So the calculated risk for me is that I know that's eventually what I want to do. So I'm going to be working extra hours. I'm going to be um, probably working weekends, like putting in, you know, the energy to this over the weekends and, you know, past my nine to five or before the nine to five, like it just is the way it is. So what's the risk? Time. Time is the risk for me because I'm spending so much of my energy in something that I am, you know, I, I feel confident that we can do this. Like I, I believe in this, but there's also, it's like, well, what if that time could be used elsewhere where you know you're going to make money, you know? I do know, but if you spend your entire life saying what if, you will never know what if. Right. That's analysis paralysis. That's being risk averse. Mm -hmm. So if you constantly ask what if, you will never know what if. That's analysis paralysis. That's how you avoid like all risk. That's how you don't gain anything that's how you stay right here Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have regrets when they stay right there because at least if you take a risk and you do bet on yourself whether it's calculated or major you are taking that risk and you are going to find out one way or another yeah but you'll never know if you just ask what if right calculated versus uncalculated but don't ask what if find out should we end yes all right see you next time bye everybody Thank you.